The Tumbling Saber Podcast is a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. Subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts. Visit our base at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Tumbling Saber Podcast. We've got a new episode here this week. Uh, I'm Kyle. I'm Marie. And I'm Rick. And joining us, a very special guest, we've got Mike Marisi, who is an absolutely prolific author right now. He's got all kinds of stuff going. He is the author of the Black Star Renegade series of novels. He's got a bunch of independent uh, creator-owned titles at different publishers. But he's also working on... Star Wars in the Galaxy Far, Far Away. He is author of the upcoming IDW series, Star Wars Clone Wars Battle Tales. Uh, Michael, welcome to the podcast. Hey, great. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Thank you for making time for us, man. It's it's much appreciated. <laughs> I know we've, we're, all, we're all kind of sitting in this weird situation right now in 2020. Remember those, the, the heady days of 2019 when we thought, can't wait to get rid of this decade and say hello to the new decade 2020. It's kind of making me want 2019 back again, and that was, that wasn't a great year. No. Yeah, can no. we just live in a perpetual December? Yeah, no kidding, eh? No kidding. But how, how's everybody doing? How's everybody? I know Mike and Rick, you guys are both in Chicago-ish area, right? That's right. And things are things getting pretty crazy over there. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, yes and no. Um, I, it's, we're not, uh, thankfully at like New York levels of, of challenges. Um, but you know, the city's locking down, the, the city itself is locking down where I live is, lo- you know, on shelter in place. And, um, I don't know. It's pretty scary. I think it's scary wherever you are. Um, but luckily we haven't been, like I said, hit hard as like Seattle or, or New York or something like that. But it's been Illinois has been uh tough. It's been a lot a lot of cases and it's just it's just tough. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and Rick, you're sitting over there, both you and your wife considered essential workers. It that can't be easy, man. What like what is what is happening with you guys right now? You know, we may have to do what we have to do outside of the house and it's not easy, but you know, we're smart enough to, um, you know, handle all the protocols and, and deal with all the procedures and things that we need to do as far as like hand washing and, and social distancing and, and all of that. Um, you know, we, we have our concerns, but we're not, you know, blatantly disregarding the, uh, the things that we're being told to do. So, you know, life is life. And, you know, there's where we're in that weird state where we're both, um, you know, lucky enough to have full paychecks coming in, but also, you know, the trade-off of the risk almost doesn't seem worth it sometimes. But we know that hopefully, you know, there's going to be an end to this at some point, however long it takes. And, and you know, like I said, we're, we're just trying to be safe. So It's really all you can do, right? <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah, it's, 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 it. it's all you can do is just listen to the experts and, and try and keep yourself and your loved ones as safe as possible. But uh, also, uh, Rick, happy belated birthday, my friend. 
Thank you, and to you too. Oh, <laughs> thanks, man. Nothing like uh, I, uh, I, I, I heard, I heard you had a special gift uh, come to you from your, um, I guess, kind of okay, somewhat halfway cool brother. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of stunned. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised he didn't actually keep it for himself. No, Corey hooked me up with uh, a carbonized Mandalorian Black Series figure, which oh wow, Oh, uh, like one of my white whales in collecting for the last <laughs> six months or so. That's I just awesome. have not been able to. I've never seen one in person until <laughs> uh, until last week when Corey came came over, keeping our distance from each other. He placed it in a, a gift bag down, backed away. <laughs> I approached the bag and took a peek in, and I was absolutely blown away. So that's uh, that was a great great gift from Corey this week. And my my wife, not to be outdone, hooked me up with a. Uh, Koto Biuka, something like that. The artifacts <clears throat> statue of um, 3PO, BB-8, and R2 from TFA. So that was really sweet. Oh, that's a nice one. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, really nice. My son is like obsessed with it now. He's just always staring at it. They're, they're so, so nice. So anyway, not not all grim. Not all grim here from, uh, <laughs> from, from this weird, weird, weird time we're living through. Uh, Marie, what's going on in Alabama? Well, um, my city uh, declared all non-essential workers have to stay at home on Wednesday of last week. So I work at a science center, so I'm not essential, even though we would like to think we are. Um, So I've been at home, um, joined a bunch of free online courses, just trying to keep my brain stimulated. Um. I tried to play a couple of video games today. Apparently, I'm not that great at video games. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, Pokemon and Zelda, I can do. But anything else, I'm not that good at. So, it, it was a struggle. Um, but maybe I'll figure it out. Because I'm going to have to have something to occupy my time over the next week. Well, yeah, for sure. Like I'm, I, That's kind of where I'm at. Mike, I don't know. Are you a video game guy? Uh, I mean, sort of, I used to play a lot more, but now, um, you know, everything's so online, you know, and you end you, like, I don't, I don't play against people. I don't like doing that. Cause I just get smoked, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not all fun, but I play like the star Wars games and I'll play, um, uh, <clears throat> I just, I just downloaded, uh, our, our RBI baseball. I play bait, like the latest. I uh, wish I haven't done in a long time, but you know, you got to do something. <laughs> so, so I'm doing that. But no, I'm not a huge gamer anymore. Not like I used to be. I, I used to play a ton into my, you know, from my teens into my tw- or even even as a child into my twenties and even early thirties before kids came around. But now my son and my daughter they're at that age where they like video games a whole ton. <laughs> my my son and I are just doing this back dive into 2002's Bounty Hunter on PS2. it's crazy to kind of watch him slowly but surely get the controls you know every button on these remotes does something and slowly he's figuring it out and he doesn't like i can give him the remote and walk away for 10 minutes and he'll just play and it's crazy that he doesn't he doesn't always need me to figure it out for him anymore and it's it's wild it's wild to see that evolution but yeah man old video games is kind of where it's at for me right now nice Uh, Rick, I saw that uh, for your birthday, your wife and your son made you something cool. Yeah, they uh, they surprised me yesterday, um, and 
They made a uh, a desk lamp, which is on right now. I'm looking right at it, and um, it's really cool. The pictures are up on Twitter and in the uh, the uh, totally super safe uh, Tumbling Saber Facebook group. And they took some Star Wars Hot Wheels ships. There's an AT-AT, a Millennium Falcon, um, an X-Wing, one of Isaac's, uh, my son's uh, vulture droids from his own collection, and a Super Star Destroyer that they rigged up to this thing and spray painted all of it. And it looks like one beautiful, cohesive piece that is now my desk lamp. And um, it's pretty rad. I do love it. Wow. It's awesome. Those are often so the best cool. gifts. So cool. Yeah, it, it's great. I was, I was surprised. I was shocked. You know, I mean, there, there's been other gifts that they've given me in the past that, you know, have been, you know, equally as good in different regards. And this one, blew me away in the same in the same vein because it was something that they took the time to make on their own especially consider everything that's going on right now where like you can't go out and you know rent a little space to do something like this they had to do this in-house and we don't have a big place so somehow they kept it hidden and uh, it's great so i love it awesome awesome stuff uh, well, you know, what, I, we, Mike, we've got all kinds of questions for you, man. We've cooked up all kinds of questions that uh, we want to you know, burning questions that we need to throw at you. Uh, so with that, I mean, let's let's just jump right in. Um, Rick, why don't you kick us off? Why don't you throw a, a question Mike's way? Um, OK, so, Mike. We we've met, we've talked, we've hung out and. Um, oh, yeah. We uh, I speaking of which, I had a great time last year at Celebration, you know, the uh, the morning of the um the Phantom Menace panel was great. And um, it's one of those things that, yeah, it's one of those things that I'm never going to forget, but you and I spent a lot of time talking about um, our families and personal experiences. And, and, you know, it was kind of one of the things that we, without getting too personal, kind of bonded over. We, we share some similarities that um, we didn't know about beforehand. And And it was oddly great to connect on that level, but, you know, having read some other interviews that you've given over the last, you know, couple of months, um, regarding the writing process and what influences your books. Um, you've said that the plot from Vault Comics, which is not a Star Wars book, but it's it's more of a, ho- a horror book um, that I love. It's, it's a great little miniseries. Um, it's been the most personal uh, kind of storytelling that you've uh, put, to, put to the page so far. Now, my question for you is, um, in that vein, is there something personal in your life kind of right now that influences your Star Wars storytelling? Because um, it, it, it's a whole different thing being, a, a you know, a, a science fantasy kind of thing. And I want to frame this in a little bit of a story of something that happened to me uh, some years ago. Be- right before the special editions came out, myself and a couple of friends were just itching to watch Star Wars. And my buddy Max, um, who lived in a suburb outside of Chicago, we came to my place we we picked up my um my faces box set of uh of the original trilogy we took it to his place because he had this crazy sound system on the way back to his place we got pulled over um just randomly um in the neighborhood and we were all worried like what's going on we were three you know 20 ish year old you know guys we all got pulled out of the car, you know, hands on the hood of the car, you know, where are you guys coming from? All kinds of harsh questions and stuff. And they were like, where are you coming from? Where are you going? And our, you know, request, our, our answer was, we just wanted to 
go watch Star Wars at my friend's house. <laughs> and we, we asked, like, why are you pulling us over? And they said, well, you matched the description of a car that came from XYZ. Um, so, like, Star Wars, you know, gave us that weird story of, like, getting pulled over. And they let us go. We ended up, you know, going back to, my, you know, my buddy Max's place and just, you know, watching the movies and talking about it, like, how crazy that was. But what influences your 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 Star Wars storytelling uh, when you're writing something like, you know, this new Clone Wars tale or some of the stuff that you've had for like the Flight of the Falcon stuff and the Star Wars Adventures uh, stories? Yeah, that's a uh, that is a, that is a really good question. And uh, yeah, I mean, for those listening, yeah, Rick and I have uh, Rick has been and I've said this to you and uh, it deserves to be said. As much as possible, uh, it's been a great help to me with my son. Our son, our kids have a lot of similarities, <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, which has been something, like you said, that we've bonded over in a cool way. Um, so, so to answer your question, so <coughs> I would say, so when you're looking at the plot, um, so the plot is uh, definitely is my most uh, intimate work because at the heart of the plot uh it is a story about um uh, mental illness uh, uh in families and, and grief uh and it's something that i've personally experienced uh that's um you know throughout my life that's been uh challenging um and that's that's been a that's been a tough story to tell uh but, but a great story to tell um so uh leading into star wars it's a different kind of um intimacy of storytelling um, I guess it's a little more broad because like, so I'm gonna try to explain this the best I can. When I started writing Star Wars, like I, I hadn't written too much stuff, um, for younger readers. Uh, even though I was a, you know, still a father at that point. I mean, this is only two ish years ago, I believe, maybe not even. Um, and I had, and I've written now quite a bit more. It was kind of like all this stuff was dovetailing. Like I think once people, uh, recognize you as a parent, they kind of identify you as someone who can tell stories um, for kids, which is like true, like yes and no. Um, I don't think it makes you automatically able to do that. And that's something that um, that I've learned, which is kind of getting to the point. Like when I started writing Star Wars Flight of the Falcon, like I definitely had like kids in mind and my kids in mind, you know? But there's also like, I was still telling it through like my lens um, and my way of storytelling just told like in a different way, in a more kid friendly way. And it's not that that was not appropriate, but the more I've been writing for kids and this is like, where like the, like, like Rick, what you're talking about, like that level of it being more personal, the, <clears throat> excuse me, the more I've written this kid's material in star Wars and in other stuff, and have kind of had had like a dialogue and a discourse with my own kids and seeing now that my oldest son is getting older and reading more independently at the same time this has been happening um i realize what is how do i say this what is makes kids stories really work in the best way possible like telling stories specifically for them about them and that is kind of like the magical alchemy. And I've really taken that more in Star Wars, like more, especially like in Battle Tales, like every single story 
now granted like it can't be kid characters i think when you're when you're doing kids books the most powerful thing to do is to have kid characters that's why um uh i think it's issues 27 28 29 that the the stuff that leading up to the rise of skywalker the main character was a kid was a nemoidian girl uh and that was a conscious decision to be like this is a story about a child a kid and it's a story for kids and it has a specific point that's like really um powerful for kids this idea at least in my opinion that anybody can be useful even if you're a kid and i think kids like to know that um and then battle tales obviously like i said you can't have kids really um but the cool thing was is that like i know how much my kids love the clones like they just they just adore the clones and that's the one of the reasons i pursued pitching that to lucasfilm um but it still had that same core well while it wasn't had kid characters very much messages for kids that kids can wrap their heads around that make sense to them that are salient to their lives and that they can kind of uh, take away from still having the cool clone story, but still having that story baked in. And that makes it more personal to me because I feel like I'm writing more intimately for my kids than I ever have before. Damn. That's so cool. That is such a cool yeah. answer. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I do want to pick up on that uh, in just a second, but I think Marie had a question about Flight of the Falcon. I think she wanted to throw at you too. And you met, you did mention it, so I, I thought that was a good place to let Marie bombard you with that oh sure (laughs) yeah so it's a pretty specific question but um in flight of the falcon you included savarine infus nest agent callus lotho minor imbo lady proxima and moloch and i'm a sucker for canon connections so was that your idea or was that the story group's idea oh no that's that's um uh, that's all me. <laughs> First, that's I have pause, amazing. Like... <laughs> yeah, amazing. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that that's recognized because I'm like, and thank you. I, I I'm obsessed with doing that kind of weird stuff, like including, like, like I said, like a Nemoidian girl, like in the Rise of Skywalker stuff. The issue that I just wrote had buzz droids in it. Like, I like, yeah. I like doing that circular callbacks, and I just like. When I wrote Flight of the Falcon, in my mind, I was like, I never anticipated ever writing Star Wars again, <laughs> because I just not that not for my want. That's this is all I would do if, if I had the choice. But I was like, well, they'll never hire me again, so I might as well get Embo in there. <laughs> that was so cool, yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, so that was like, like they gave me like the um, the instructions that I got from Lucasfilm at the time was just like you know, tell these five or six, yeah, it ended up being six stories and they take place between right after Solo to like right after Last Jedi. That was like kind of it. Um, so I got to kind of like weave through the generations and and tell Lady Proxima stories. And it's funny because, and you might like this story, like um, I had never met anybody in the story group prior. Or maybe I did, but at least I didn't meet them in capacity where they had any reason to know who I was um but I met at some con I forget uh but it was after I was writing Flight of the Falcon and I met some people from the story group and I was like went up to him I was like hey thanks for being so awesome which they are they're so helpful and so kind 
I was like, thanks for being so awesome. Thanks for doing this. And they're like, oh, no, like yours was super easy. Like nobody pitches us stuff like that, <laughs> which, <laughs> made me, <laughs> which made me feel great. I was like, oh, so no one, no one sent you those Lady Proxima stories. <laughs> so, when, so I guess not. When you work with a member of the story group or the story group at large, are you kind of assigned one member of that group? And how responsive are they? Like if you want to pick up the phone and call them or th- throw them an email, do they get back to you quickly, generally speaking? Or is it sort of like, um, we'll get back to you after we look this up and it might take a week. So put your writing on pause. How does that work? Yeah, it um, you basically everything. So I've only worked for um, IDW. That's where Star Wars Adventures is. And it's basically the process goes to the editors there and it goes to the story group and then the story group. It goes to everybody. Like when I, I get like the track changes back and I, and I sometimes, you know, we'll email, we'll, we'll have email discussions, but really everything that they have to say, um, it all exists like in this like word document that we just keep refining and refining. Um, but it'll have like their notes, you know, so it goes, you know, Matt and Pablo and, um, you know, a few other people, it'll, it'll pass through some hands and then it, it, it gets to you. You know when they get you, <laughs> um, and um, they're not, they're um, not busy. And, yeah, well, no. Yeah, no <laughs> I, I remember like we were doing this at the end of the year, like the, the last four months. I just felt so bad for the for the story group. I mean, they had you know Skywalker coming out, right? Skywalker coming out. They had Mandalorian, they had Clone Wars relaunching. Um, eventually, what would come to we would come to be come to be known as uh, the High Republic, and they were just just inundated uh i, I couldn't believe how busy I, I can't even wrap my head around how busy they had to do don't, don't be bad for don't feel bad for them that's that's what we like to call job security yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, very true so i mean coming off that question like what's it like to learn that you know you're kind of knocking on the door you, you you're dreaming about writing star wars and then you and you're working towards that goal and then you get that call or that email to say Let's do it. Let's write a. Let's make a Star Wars story together, and then actually sitting down to write that. What what goes through your head? What kind of thrill is it? I mean, you're talking about um, working with the story group. That in itself, like as a Star Wars nut, you must go, oh my god, Pablo Hidalgo, Matt Martin, Kiri Hart, all these people are looking at my work. They're critiquing my work. Like that by itself must be a thrill. But what's it like to finally know that you're going to be contributing to the Star Wars canon? Uh, well, it's funny. I'll tell you like the, the more genuine, the sincere answer, but actually, so I, like an anecdote before that, um, before I, I was hired, you know, not like officially, it wasn't like paperwork. There's never paperwork in entertainment. Who needs paperwork? But anyway, so, um, I was like, they're going to like, you're right. They contact me like you're right. This flight of the Falcon series. And I was like, you know, over the moon, I'll talk about that in a second, but then like, I'll never forget it got announced um on starwars.com and it was just talked about the novels it was like flying falcon with these two novels from um uh, lou anders and justine ireland and uh i was like oh i guess i'm not writing that <laughs> like they made no mention of me or any of any of the comic Aww. whatsoever and i was like well i'll just go i'll just go die <laughs> oh. and, it was so heartbreaking. I, and I and I never and I emailed IDW in a very nice way, and I was just like, "Hey guys, so I saw the announcement." And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, sorry, got all messed up." And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was so 
and it was like at seven o'clock at night. It's like a wait till the next day. I don't think I slept all night. Um, I was so like potentially heartbroken. But once that misunderstanding uh, got cleared up, um, you know, uh, you know, it sounds like sort of like a, a generic or cliche, but I mean, it's just a dream come true. Every time I get to do it, it's, it's just, a, it's just a dream, you know, like I, I want to do this my whole life and I've been working tremendously hard to do everything I can to, to, to do, to do this. Um, and being able to do it is, you know, it's funny. The one thing that I promised myself, so I used to work, I'm a, I'm a huge baseball fan. Um, I don't like baseball as much as Star Wars. I don't like anything as much as I like Star Wars. Um, you're, you're in <laughs> and, good company. Uh, yeah. Right? <laughs> but I used to work, uh, for this baseball magazine for a while. And I, and, and then I, by the end of it, I hated baseball. I, I, I wanted nothing to do with baseball. It took me years to go back and enjoy baseball again because it was just such a it was such a terrible job. It was a brutal job, uh, relentless, and I just didn't enjoy baseball at all. Um, and when I went into Star Wars, it's like I don't want if if forever a minute I'm not enjoying Star Wars, I'm going to walk away. You know, um, Star Wars is more important to me than than writing Star Wars. Um, but my thing has been um, since the start has always been. Sorry, my my text. I don't know if that you heard that. Um, but anyway, my thing from the start has been to maintain that. And every time I sit down to write, I'm always writing. At least I'm trying to write um, as a fan first. Like that's why you talk about stuff like Jesus Christ. Um, that's why you talk about stuff like with like Embo or you know we joke, and it's funny because <clears throat> it is kind of silly, but in you know I've. I put in like act. I love the prequels, and I put in like Embo and Acklays and Buzz Droids and Nemoidians and like all this weird stuff. But I do that because I love it, and I, those are the things as a fan that I love so much, and I want to like just have fun with it and do these things that I'm passionate about. Because like when I'm telling these stories, I'm trying to tell the stories that I, as a fan, would like most, that I would enjoy to read. Um, and I try to keep that perspective and there's never been a time like with the baseball job where I've never felt any diminishment of my love and passion for star Wars. If anything, it's grown, uh, and being part of the community and, and having this role is so profoundly important to me. Um, and, uh, in most days I just can't believe I get to get to live it and get to do it. Yeah, no, I, I can relate to some degree. Like I used to have a hockey blog and I was working on it so hard, so hard. And then by year three or year four, it just began to, to, to feel like a chore. And it was getting to the point where it, it was uh, eroding my enjoyment of the sport, where I felt like, it, you know, I, I have to watch this game so I can write about it after. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't want that anymore. So, and it, you know, coincidentally, at the same time, it was when Lucasfilm bought, uh, sorry, when, yeah, when Disney bought Lucasfilm. So I had this thing to come along and, and sort of, put sports a little bit to the back burner but you know that's so yeah i can can relate to you on that level for sure um what's it like finally i mean to get that first hard copy of your star wars work in your hand like and i know you should have post an instagram post back in september of 2018 or so and you're sitting there with your two boys and you're looking at that idw comic that you that you wrote like how surreal must was that to sit there holding a comic, a Star Wars comic that you wrote with your kids? Uh, 
I mean, it definitely a, a powerful moment, a moment I'll never forget, you know, and, and being able to share it with my kids uh, because we've bonded and grown closer. Um, and it's something Rick and I have talked about as well. Like we've gotten um, a lot of bonding through Star Wars and we've something that we really share on a really like most Star Wars fans on, on a deep level and a personal level and being able to hold my own uh, work in it, my own contribution and being able to share with my kids and hopefully, you know, other parents share with their kids. Um, you know, it's pretty emotional and it's pretty uh, something that I'm just immensely grateful for and just thrilled. And it's weird because like, you know, uh, I'm lucky that I've been working in comics for a while and books and like, I always love getting, uh my my comps you know my issues arrive to my door it's always great but i'll tell you what uh what have i've done now six seven nine ten eleven something like that's uh adventures issues and i still like i when it's that when that book is coming out that week i am like checking my door like multiple times a day and like looking for my star wars issues you know it never gets old never for a second gets old uh and i still love it 12 issues later and, I'll, and hopefully if i do 100 issues uh i'll still love it just as much i'm i'm positive oh that's so that's so cool man that is so cool uh rick you're up man you know i was thinking you know when, when you're writing star wars and you know hopefully you get to write star wars a lot more um because you know the stuff that i've read and the things that my son isaac has read you know we we when you talk about that bonding experience about over these stories you know he'll tell me i'll let him read those things first um, since they're more geared to him and then I'll let him tell me about them and then I'll go back and read them on my own. But, um, to that bonding experience, like, um, damn it. I kind of lost my train of thought, you know, that's, uh, it's going to suck. Um, but when, when you have something like that and you think about the, the shared experiences of star Wars, um, and you have your two boys, um, I, well, let me ask you this. Are they reading um, the books that you are writing to, like, do you let them know anything about the stories beforehand or um, do you wait until like you have a book in hand or like an outline, like fully fleshed out before you let them take a look at it? Um, the only ones we've really talked about uh, are the Clone Wars because they, uh, they know the clones and the Clone Wars so thoroughly. <laughs> I've actually even <laughs> asked them. First, I'm like, who was that clone? That like, uh, and they're like, Gree Dad. I'm like, oh, geez, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, it's like having uh, like, it's like having the poor man's story group in your house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unpaid interns. Well, if you remember the night, if, Mike, if you remember the night that we met, um, it was at book signing you know, here in town by me. And I, it was like right at the end of the Q and a, you know, Isaac just raised his hand and he was really apprehensive about doing so. Like he didn't want to ask any questions. And I was like, no, go ahead, go ahead. And he had all of his flight of the Falcons, uh, uh flight of the Falcon comics with them. And then he just went into this whole line of like very specific questioning about, well, if you had Embo here on this page at this time and then, but then in this other book, it was, uh, it Zuvio was in like, I was like, man, I, I had no idea that he was so involved in these books until, and then you just finally said, why don't you just come up and show me what you're talking about? And like that whole experience, like when I think about like the whole family aspect of like what Star Wars is and like your parents were there and your wife was there and, you know, I got to meet all of them, but like to have Isaac 
you know, my son come up and then talk to you and like show you the stuff in the book. Like, it's got to be really gratifying to have somebody, you know, within the reached, you know, demographic of these stories, you know, to come up and then start asking you these questions like that. Oh, there is like nothing. It's weird. You know, I'm kind of like at this, I don't know, this crossroads, uh, I guess, uh, in, in a way, but like, I have found more like satisfaction and joy, like, um, getting to see kids reading and seeing their enthusiasm. Like I, I did this, um, uh, I recently had this series called Hexagon. The first issue just, just came out and I did a lot of signings at C2E2 and, uh, New York comic con. We got an early release there. Um, and it, it's through this place called impact theory and they have like, they're like a lifestyle uh, brand that's also starting to do comics. So they have a really big following. So they had a lot of people in line to get the comics and it was, I'm always grateful for people. And this is a comic, by the way, Hexagon is one of these things that's specifically for kids. Um, and people come in line and I'm always grateful when there was kids getting the comic, nothing i i was so happy i was so happy to be like here's i can put this in your hands and this is for you and you're going to enjoy it and i feel the same way obviously with with flight of the falcon it's the same just such a great feeling like to like that night like seeing isaac's uh enthusiasm and passion and knowledge like that was the best part that was like the best part it's so cool and i just i love that so much and that's something that's really kind of grown in me um and that's i think one of the great things fundamentally about star wars you know not just like the all ages stuff but just in general for the most part that it's something that like we share across generations and and bond over and like seeing it through our kids eyes uh is nothing short of of magical quick follow-up have have uh have your boys seen all the movies yet or no um so my youngest uh uh, Jax who's five uh has not yet um he's seen he's he's seen him and his brother have watched all like Clone Wars and stuff like that oh not all of them I don't like watching Unbara or something like that it's so dark (laughs) (laughs) great arc but a little but a little gritty for for small ones a little intense (laughs) um but they haven't seen Rise of Skywalker like and I don't know how you approached it rick but like uh, or anybody like i thought the emperor and i was kind of bummed a little bit and i don't mean to speak ill of star wars but i was like you didn't have to make the emperor this scary like the uh, emperor was real scary i'm like yeah eh, i don't know why you did that now i can't take my kids <laughs> um so they haven't seen it well, i I'll have on video where i'm gonna fast forward through that stuff well let, let's put it this way mike how old were you when return of the jedi came out oh god what year that was 80 83 i was i was three when that came out okay i was five and i remember going to see it in a theater and palpatine scared me and i remember like when the first time we went to go see the rise of skywalker isaac wasn't thrilled with the emperor like he did not like him at all um and like my way of reconciling the character to him was listen i was scared the same way and he's supposed to be scary that doesn't mean like you're gonna just plop him down and like no you have to sit and watch this um but you know like like if you know your boys aren't ready then they're just not ready but he's supposed to be scary you know he's supposed to be that you know 
mystical dark wizard you know witch kind of character who is all powerful and again you know, like if you know your boys aren't ready for it then they're just not gonna be ready for it but yeah isaac we went into that movie and he was he, we were all of us we were all about it and then about halfway through we we're like what the hell is going on here and emperor's a thing and but you know after six times of seeing it in a theater yeah. now we're all good with it <laughs> <laughs> practice practice well, that's man a, that's, a, that's a good point that is a good point he is supposed to be dark and scary that's you're definitely right and uh yeah i think i don't know maybe i was too shy about it but i think seeing on video would be like okay well we can turn it off or we can fast forward and so we will see it. i i think it goes on blu-ray like this week if i'm not mistaken yeah tuesday should be coming out i think blu-ray if i'm not mistaken tuesday i'm Hopefully. supposed to get my steel book tomorrow oh please <laughs> please <laughs> nice oh Where's i can't wait from. is that tar is that the target this year it's best buy best buy oh right right yeah yeah i'm right. i'm glad that in this pandemic best buy still has their priorities in order and are getting me my rise of skywalker early because I've, I've held out <laughs> i've held out on the digital like i wanted to splurge a couple weeks ago when they released it to the world early i said no damn it i spent 50 bucks for the steel steelbook i'm gonna watch it on steelbook yeah yeah you got to yeah <laughs> i don't do the digital stuff i'm dying to watch this movie <laughs> again I've seen it twice since it came out digital Oh, I can't wait to watch it again, Marie. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> well, Marie, you had a, you had another question, another follow-up sort of uh, from the Flight of the Falcon stuff. Yes. And this is a question that I have had in regards to all of the Flight of the Falcon stuff. Um, but what, what in the world is up with Bazine Natal? Why does she want the Falcon so badly? What is she going to do with it? <laughs> Do you even know? <laughs> so, so this is, um, it was confusing. <laughs> um, so did you read the novels? Yes. That, okay. So yeah. I, I think now I'm looking at my bookshelf. I'm trying to remember which explained, but, uh, it would, it could have been clear. It could have been clear. It was basically Kylo hired Bazine to track down, uh, the Falcon. Okay. And that was really it. Okay. But we never, but we never see Kylo Ren <laughs> in the whole thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> which would have been pro uh, probably useful, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Like we, like myself, uh, Justina and Lou, we didn't collaborate like at all we had no communication they like wrote their books i wrote my comic and they just kind of weave together and i think for the most part they work i think they're really good their books i think are really great um yeah but in terms of like getting people to understand like the initiative and that these things tie together but also what was bazine kind of doing um it did lack a little bit of clarity i think Ah, what are you going to do, right? So, yeah, <laughs> yeah like, right. I, remember, <laughs> I remember at the end of Pirate's Price <clears throat> that there was that whole switcheroo where they, where Bazina Tal almost got the Falcon and then she didn't because um, Majo ended up coming about. Um, she appeared. Right. So, that was, she was cool. like dressed as the first order 
officer, like disguised as the first order officer. Yeah. So uh, that was really, really cool. And I love that. But I was like, I still don't understand why Bazine Natal wants the Falcon. <laughs> yeah. So that was like supposed to be, that is like the, uh, the vertebrate of it. Is that like the first, that's, that's where we're supposed to infer what's going on because the first okay. order hired her through on the behest of Kylo Ren because he's so adamant about getting the Falcon yeah. uh, destroying it. So that's what's going on there. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, that yeah. helps. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> and that opens the door. Kind of an interesting question here. So when you were getting set to write a story, a series, a novel, whatever it is in under the Star Wars banner, uh, how do you determine which characters you can and can't use in your stories? Like, do you pitch mm. characters that you want to use or do they give you a list of characters you can't touch? How does that generally work? Well, uh, I've learned who you can't touch. <laughs> um, um, so, um, no, they don't really have like a set list because I think it's always kind of changing depending on other plans that are happening adjacent or in the future or whatever. Um, but they'll be very, very clear. Like if you're like, so this this question's been asked a lot, and I've been very candid about it. Uh, the Ahsoka question is Ahsoka <laughs> in my Clone War series, and the answer is not at all <laughs> because they said. You can't use Ahsoka. Um, so that was one of those times where she was um, she had a, she was in the first issue. She had a really big role in the first issue. She wasn't instrumental to the series, but she was in that first issue. And so we had to, um, um, well, I had to go back and, and come up with a completely different story. Uh, but they were clear. They're like, you know, no Ahsoka uh, and no, um, no Gregor as well, which I was like, Super bummed about. Hmm. I was like, man, Gregor's such a badass. Why can't we use Gregor? <laughs> um, Interesting. Yeah, what? no Gregor. No, no Gregor hmm, for that, some reason. When they, was... when they nix those characters, does that mean you can't even reference them in any way? Like, you have to pretend they don't exist? Well, um, it depends. Like, for the Ahsoka problem was a complicated one because, like, how do you – we were like, well, how do we have – a Clone War series and Anakin and not have Ahsoka. And the solution was that my series takes place before the film, before the Clone Wars film. Okay. Uh, so Ahsoka is just not around yet. And that's that's, that's an easy workaround. <laughs> yeah. That was like the, originally it was set at a much, the whole series was set at a completely different time and we had to rework it, uh, which is fine. Um, because then some clones who were, uh, dead <laughs> in, in my original pitch were no longer dead because it was so really early in the series. <laughs> um, so we got we lost Ahsoka but regained some clones. So that was good. <laughs> yeah, those clones are interesting, man. I've got I've, this. The, you know, if anything, this season seven of Clone Wars, especially the Bad Batch arc, has really reignited my love of the clones and just the stuff they bring to the table in terms of individuality. And just like the, the mor- yeah. morality and ethics of creating beings for the purpose of fighting a war. It, they're really yeah. interesting. They're so cool in that regard. And uh, there's stuff coming up with Rex in the, the Siege of Mandalore arc. And I can't wait to get there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His, that Bad Batch was uh, uh, as, good as, as good as it gets as far as I'm concerned. That was so much, so much fun. And this, I, I'm enjoying this arc, too, for, for, for other mm-hmm. reasons in other ways. Um, 
Rick, do you have any 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 more questions for Rick? Uh, sorry, for Mike. Yeah, you know, no, that's okay. Um, you know, straying away from Star Wars for just a second, um, but still keeping in the kind of galactic kind of storytelling uh, vein. So you get a call from Marvel, and you get the approval for a story for uh, Beta Ray Bill, which. I just reread before we started recording, and I love the story. Lockjaw. I mean, you get the opportunity to write something for Marvel. What's that like? That was super weird because, like, um, it all happened so, just so fast. So, um, I mean, it was wonderful. It was great. But, and, and thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I, I love writing it. I love Bay Ray Bill. Like, that was it was such a strange occurrence that like the first thing and so far the only thing I've ever done in Marvel is Beta Ray Bill like which is like nobody that's the character's never even around you know <laughs> um, but but more um, importantly Lockjaw Lockjaw too yes Lockjaw and uh, you know evil Doctor Strange uh, that was a fun issue yes. but um, so so my buddy Matt uh, Matt Rosenberg is a writer there, uh, a regular writer there. And he was mm-hmm. doing the annihilation, uh, crossover. And basically they needed, uh, a one shot. They were down a writer. Uh, and so he, you know, put me up for this job and they, they, they the editor there was like, Oh yeah. Okay. I know his stuff. And he convinced them that I can do the work and do it fast. Cause I've done this, you know, done this before. Uh, so yeah, they called me up and it happened like, lightning speed like i i don't remember how fast we like completed that issue uh it was fast <laughs> um, and so it was kind of over i mean i loved the experience and i thought it was super fun and i, I love the issue we did i love the art i thought it came together real nice and matt's the whole annihilation um the whole annihilation crossover was real cool um uh but it happened it was just such a rapid fire we were in, i was in and out so fast i was it was like done before i even realized it had started um <laughs> but glad i did it it was cool it was it was a blast uh who knows if i'll do it again but for 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 the moment it was it was a pretty good time well i can say it it all works very well together and there's something i noticed about the the beta ray bell book um in relation to the plot and mall uh, the mall, you know, like some of your other, like the, the books that you wrote for for the Vault uh, comics, and you have a way of grounding your characters. You know that you can have this cosmic story, you can have these larger than life stories, but you have a way of personalizing your stories. And Kyla, I, I want you to follow up on this one, but um, writing a story like Wasted Space that still has that galactic, uh, you know, bigger storytelling kind of. Um, um, uh, vein, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the, the, there's mm-hmm. a larger story, but it's but it's a very personal thing. You know, what's it like? You know, having that translate into you know, or or having your 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 ideas of Star Wars, you know, those thematic things, you know, translate into these other stories. Well, I think I think that's something that I've learned. Um, over time um and i'm I'm glad it's a lesson that i've learned from doing this for a while and doing various writing for a while like i've 
kind of gotten to the point where everything I do, I want to have it be some level of personal, some level intimate, and some level where the story has meaning to me. If it doesn't mean anything to me, I don't know how it can mean anything to anybody else, you know? Um, and I think when I first, so to give you an example, like one of my early series um, was um, a series called Roche Limit. Um, it ran 14, yes, 14 issues with Image uh, years ago. Um, and it was a sci-fi kind of Blade Runner-ish series. Um, but anyway, the point is, is that that series had like all like the cerebral stuff, but none of the heart. Like it, it, it's, I, I look back on it and I feel like it's a pretty cold series. Um, and then I look at Wasted Space and I feel like it's um, quite different in that like it does have the same kind of weird philosophical stuff that I like or moral or existential stuff that I really enjoy personally that that captivates me. But also like it's grounded, as you say, and it's a great word, Rick, like it's grounded in uh, some level of intimacy, some level of personal stakes, like the people, no matter how big the idea or how big the galaxy or how big the, the stakes, um, uh, I'm sorry, not, not how big the stakes, how big the conflict, the stakes always feel personal and real. Um, and that's something that's really, like I said, that I've learned, I think it's made my work better and it's made it more important to me. Um, and I try to translate into Star Wars as well. I feel like, um, especially going back to the earlier point about writing for kids, like, I think it has to be personal at that granular level. I think it has to reach kids um, and it can't all just be head. It has to be a lot of heart too and something that they have to feel and have something, you know, move them on, and con on an emotional level and connect to them personally. Uh, so I try to achieve that in the Star Wars, um, in the Star Wars that I do and all the work that I do, but even with something like Star Wars or Beta Ray Bill or whatever. So is it more like of a, a thematic kind of a writing yeah, I think so. I think that like the themes that I was missing was like how, like I always had the thematics, but I never knew why the thematics meant anything to the characters in it. You know, like the thematics in Roche Limit and Wasted Space are kind of similar. They're a little bit about morality and existentialism and things like that, but the, the, those things don't mean anything to the characters. They're just kind of uh, like almost like a separate piece, you know, like the themes are over, you know, here, the, 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 the characters are over there. Wasted Space kind of takes those things and, and you know, intertwines them. Um, so it's all linked together and it's all meaningful to the characters, to the story, it all is working together rather than be something separate. Like the themes are just like on a separate little island um, that you can just think about later. Uh, and I don't think that worked. I don't think that works as a story. I think it all has to kind of be patched together. Um, and I, that's what I'm trying to do more of. And like I said, even in Star Wars, like even that, like, like I said, the, the story of the Nemoidian girl, like I want it to be like about like the message fundamentally that the resistance is for everybody and everybody can contribute even a little, you know, young girl, even, you know, 3PO, even droids, you know, everybody can contribute, you know, and you see that in the characters by all the characters contributing, like they, that the point of the story is what they do. Um, so those things are, are, are inseparable uh, as you read it. 
New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com. New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com. I, I do want I want to follow up on that. Like, there's some interesting stuff in there. Like, like for a writer like yourself, and this blows my mind. Um, and you know, we have, we have a friend in our community, Matt Keegan, who's in. I could probably ask him the same question, and I will. Um, but when you have so many different projects going on, like you've got stuff for Star Wars, uh, you've got your Black series, uh, Black Star Renegade series, Wasted Space, and and many others. How do you segment ideas and themes? And how do you like decide, okay, this concept I've got swirling in my head, oh, this belong this really would make an interesting arc in wasted space, for example. Or, oh no, you know what? This maybe is ne- this needs its own title. This is something new that I'm gonna have to work on. How do- how does that how do you sort your ideas in your head? You know, it's funny. Um I I started as we're in you know, uh, shelter in place mode, uh, some of us, um, and I've had a little bit more, actually, it's not true. I haven't had more time cause I'm homeschooling now, yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but, uh, I wanted to do something. I had this idea to, to record these like writing tutorial videos to, to just give people something to do and give myself something to do to take my mind off of, uh, the, the worry and anxiety I have over everything that's happening. Um, so one of the videos I talked about, uh, I talk about like in a way this very thing, like how you decide wh- which what to do with what ideas and what stories. Um, and this goes back to what I was sort of what I was saying before. Like I don't, um, I don't really start on a story, or actually I don't really commit to a story until I know like what that story is about. Like what is the fabric of that story? Like. If I'm writing um, Star Wars, like whatever arc I'm doing or the Clone Wars series or whatever, like I know what those stories are about underneath the surface, like Wasted Space. I know what that story is about, not just what happens or not just the premise, but like what is the engine? Like, like I said, a plot plot is about familial uh, mental illness and grief. That's what it's about what happens is different, but I know always that like kind of core nucleus. So I'm never really, I'm always idea developing. That's part of my job is to sit and just kind of like fill in notebooks and write out ideas and see if there are any come to fruition. And some do, some don't, some, you know, come back around later, you know, it takes, you know, lots of different uh, paths to getting there, uh, to getting to the point of committing to a project. But like, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> but I never actually fully go into a project um, unless I'm confident that I know what it's about. And I, that knowledge drives 
um, what the story will be, what the characters do, etc. Um, and I think that's the best way, at least for me, in the way my storytelling works. And mileage varies from different writers, um, but at least for me, not knowing what it's about um, is is doesn't put me on a good path. I feel just kind of, um, I guess, lost in a way, or at least rudderless. Um, so I have to know that thing and then be able to execute the story and the characters and themes. They're not theme, but the story, and the characters, settings, et cetera, on top of knowing that having that core, having that foundation, you know, firmly set. Cool. Interesting. So does that mean that, so does that mean that your Cade, your Cade Sura from uh, Black Star Renegades? Um, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I think, I think in a way, um, I think in a way, yeah, because like, I've always had that kind of, uh, 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 what's it called? Um, when you think you're, when you think you're not, you don't belong. Uh, it's a, like a imposter oh, syndrome. Shit. Imposter syndrome. Yes. Yes, exactly. I've always had that. Well, I've he, always had that. That's yeah. It's like he, he had that, uh, he had the adventure thrust upon him, you know, in a moment of, uh, kind of fate or destiny and then took off from there. Yeah. Right. And you have to figure it out. <laughs> and that's what I'm doing. Just trying to figure it out as I go. <laughs> I, I, yeah, let's, I want to stay on Black Star Renegades and We Are Mayhem just for a second. And Mike, you and I connected on this way back when, and I'm a terrible novel reader. Uh, so I, I never got to finish it until recently. And the first novel is absolutely, it's, it's so much fun. It's a, such a great novel. Um, and so it, this is, I mean, it's obviously your love letter to Star Wars. And I think in your in your uh, acknowledgments at the back, you kind of, your editor kind of said, "Why don't you love Star Wars? Why don't you just do something geared around your love of Star Wars?" So you probably had to go through the exercise of, and it, I guess being such a huge fan, it's already kind of instinctual and second nature to you. But determining what makes Star Wars Star Wars to you, and and Ryan Johnson, uh, you know, director of Last Jedi, he's kind of alluded to going through the same exercise as he's blue skying uh his next trilogy of star wars movies but for you what does it look like when you've got a a blank slate for this world that you're about to build um how do how do you kind of break down the components of that galaxy like essentially i mean black the black star renegades world and the star wars star wars world they're they're text textually and texturally very similar like how what was that exercise like for you um, it was, it was a challenging thing. Uh, one that I loved, uh, but it was challenging because it was like, there are some times when you could be too close to something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you don't, you don't want to feel like and, you're copying something, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and like, I had to kind of like figure out, like walk this fine line between like, you know, I want it to be Star Wars, but it can't be Star Wars. <laughs> um, uh, so it was a matter of like, like you said, like with, with, with Ryan Johnson or probably with anybody, like being able to discern what is it about this? Because you, I, I imagine for Ryan, it's such a tough thing because he's not doing um, a trilogy film, you know, or he's making a trilogy, but you know, he's not doing a Skywalker film. Um it's like, okay, how do I make Star Wars, but that's not the Star Wars that we know? 
Um, and Black Star Renegades kind of exists in that similar space, not to compare myself to, to Ryan Johnson at all, but um, uh, it was like, okay, I, I want to tell a story that when people read, it feels like Star Wars and has that same kind of space adventure, I mean, space adventure, pulpy, you know, uh, space opera-ish. I think space operas are more tend to be more rooted in science and, you know, politics and stuff like that. But um, it's probably the same way George Lucas felt when he wanted to do Star Wars. And he's like, I want to be, you know, Flash Gordon and these pulps and these serials that I love, you know, uh, and capturing that essence. But also at the same time, in sh you know, making sure that you're saying something that's uniquely what you want to say. And <clears throat> part of my story, as much as it um, is a love letter to Star Wars, I think it's also kind of like almost like a, a postmodern uh, uh, take on Star Wars a, a little bit, not too much, but a little bit in terms of like how it rejects the idea of the lone savior. Uh, Star Wars eventually got there. Uh, like Last Jedi... I remember seeing Last Jedi and like it was doing the same thing as Black Star Rains and Last Jedi came out like a month before the book and I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never work for you, uh, Lucasfilm, so, damn you. <laughs> uh, but it 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 toys it toys that same idea of like, you know, like maybe we don't need, you know, help me Obi-Wan, you're my only hope. Maybe we are we are our only hope, you know, and that's what I want to do with Black Star Renegades. And that's something that's similarly that, that I guess I am like Ryan Johnson. <laughs> no, just kidding. But I guess that's something similar that we share. Um, and that's what really made the book interesting to me. Like um, just writing, like if it was just a Star Wars fan fiction, I wouldn't mind doing it in hell. I've done it. Like I, I, I've done like Star Wars comics before I did Star Wars comics that were just fan fiction that I made with my friends. Um, and I thoroughly loved that, loved it. But if it was writing a whole novel or a series of novels that were just purely existed as fan fiction, I don't know that I would have been able to creatively fulfill um, doing that. Um, so it had to be something that meant something to me. And, and that's what I discovered. Um, things like that, like I mentioned, some other small things that like made it veer from Star Wars enough that it was um, something that I can uniquely call my own. Now you did, man. <clears throat> it's so much fun. It's uh, there's such a great series of novels. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm just getting into We Are Mayhem now, but I got to ask, is are we going to get a third book? I don't know. Um, that's something. So the next book, so We Are Mayhem comes out. We're still like in the cycle of the paperbacks coming out, right? It's coming out. Uh, I hope everything's so crazy. Um, <laughs> it's, it's scheduled yeah. to come out in like two weeks. Um, so I think because everything printed, like in books, everything prints and gets uh, moving in such far advance that like most likely it'll still be out. Um, but yeah, I think after that is when we start to, <clears throat> I, I needed to take a time away from it. Cause I wrote those two books. I wrote them like in less than two years. And then I was off writing actual star Wars and other stuff. So I think now is the time that, uh, probably like maybe over the summer, the same Martin's I sit down and talk and say, okay, do you want to do it? Do I want to do it? Uh, so it's, there's potential. Yeah. It just depends on if there's a story and, uh, that I want to tell, like there's adjacent stuff that I would like to do. Um, like a Kira backstory for sure. Um, 
you know, there's, there's some other small things I'd like to explore, like in little, like, they'd be like my, my like rogue one, <laughs> um, type novels, but it's possible. Yes. Cool. <clears throat> Very cool. Uh, once upon a time, Claudia Gray, when she was talking about, um, when you, when she was writing bloodline, she was, when she had different characters in her mind, she would picture certain celebrities. Like for example, she, uh, Ransom Casterfo, she had Tom Hiddleston in her head. Do you do a similar thing uh, with uh, with Black Star Renegades to say, oh, this character is, I don't know, what, X actor? Do you do you do that exercise, or do you just kind of let let it be? Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, I just dawned on me every when I read Bloodline, I had Ransom Castrofo. I and this is pre Mandalorian as Pedro Pascal. Um, yeah, just kind of like charming. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, you know, he he would have been he would have been cool. I don't see Tom Hiddleston at all. That doesn't. I don't get that. I mean, she's she's the authority clearly, but that's, 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 <laughs> um, uh, but to answer your question, no, I um, I I can't. Um, I don't. I don't. Yeah, it, it, that, I think that would mess me up if I if I was like thinking of like like Idris Elba or whatever, like somebody like in my head, it would, I think it would just be weird. I'd be just be thinking about Luther or something like that, you know, <laughs> like, um, so no, I don't really do that. I guess there's probably a wish list of if, if there was ever a movie, that would be pretty cool. Uh, you know, some people in there like, um, Mig, I, I always saw like Donald Glover. I thought that would be pretty cool. Um, who was Kira? Gosh, now I can't remember. Uh, oh, I'm stumped. Amelia but Clark? maybe <laughs> it would maybe. fit it, it kind of fits a little bit that would be yeah she'd, be, she'd just transfer right over from solo uh did, did the name uh, kira come from the rejected ray name yes nice yeah very cool that's exactly it very, very yeah. cool and then they took it and they used it in solo i was like again <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious um all right so i mean we're gonna start to wind it down but marie do you have any any final questions you want to throw mike's way um, no, I think I'm good. I'm really, really excited to read the most recent Star Wars adventures that you have written. Um, I get the trade paperbacks, so oh, I don't awesome. keep up with it as they come out. But I love Star Wars adventures so much because it is so interconnected with everything. Yeah, oh, thank you, and I, and I love those stories too. And I, I, I'm, I always say like, if you want Star Wars, that's like, so if you go to the Marvel side, like Marvel is like story driven Star Wars. This is like here's what happened between Empire and Jedi, and here's what happened here. They're like they're like filling in all these cracks and crevices and stuff. I'm like, and and that's not to diminish at all. It's great, right? But like, if you want Star Wars, it's just like character driven and fun slices and low footprint you know like you don't have to like know tons of stuff and you don't have to commit to 60 issues and whatever like go read star wars adventures like don't let the kids thing Mm -hmm. scare you you know like the not just stuff that i rate but that whole series is so great Mm -hmm. so fun and just does so much for the characters and those evergreen star wars ideas and themes like it's it's such a wonderful series yeah, the, I love I, it. Yeah, yeah that, that, that whole thing about you know, ah, it's IDW. It's for kids. I don't want to read it. <clears throat> that whole thing has always kind of graded me. It's like, yeah, animated stuff is more geared to kids too. But you enjoy that, so go read mm. the IDW stuff. At least give it a chance. You know, like 
the, the art. I mean, you're working with Derek Charm right now. Mm-hmm. He, it's he's it's only it's like he's lifting the stuff out of the out of the um, the show and putting it on the page. It's so good. Like yeah, it's, it's Derek great. Is wonderful. Yeah, I mean, there. I mean, that's the thing. If you watch Rebels, Resistance, Clone Wars, like. Whoa. What's the problem? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Even some of the younger stuff, you know, uh, Galaxy of Adventures and um, Mm -hmm. what's the other one? Now, help me out, Kyle. Um, Forces of Destiny? Forces of Destiny. Yeah, those are for, you know, even younger kids. And they're fantastic. They're great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't believe last week. I mentioned this last week on the pod, but uh, you know, Marie, you'll love this. Like this, the interconnectivity of it all is... Ahsoka talking about those load lifter droids in the first episode of her uh, walkabout arc. And Mm -hmm. right away, I'm like, oh, my goodness, she's talking about that episode of Forces of Destiny that she was in where she fought those same droids. And it's like this two minute throwaway little animated short, but it's there and it's connected and it's it all it all makes the tapestry so much better. And that's Mm -hmm. what that's what these IDW books are for me. They're so much fun. Yes. It really, it was really Absolutely. the, the uh, Tales from Vader's Castle. That's oh. what that's what hooked me once and for all with these books. They're just so <laughs> damn good. They are. That's a great series. Uh, the boat, the, the you know, there's the two that that they've done, and they are awesome. I love those. Well, Mike, what is? Do you? Yeah, have... I was going to say. Uh, I was going to say, Mike. You know, sorry, uh, Kyle. No, no problem. Thanks to you. I, you know, I got to meet. I got to meet uh, Kevin last year, and you know, we took a little picture. And we talked for for just a second. Yeah, those uh, Tales from Vader's Castle book. Those are great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Kevin did, it. and Derek too. Derek was Derek was on those as well. Um, yeah, that's a great series, and that's the template actually for Clone Wars. It's the same. It's the same format. It's the same. You know, little intro story the main story then you go back to the you know real time story you know that's it's it's the same exact thing cool oh yeah it's fun i i like that uh what they established so much that i stole it (laughs) (laughs) standing on the shoulders of giants right or kevin no he's kidding he seems pretty tall he's a very tall man he is tall. He's tall. It's not hard to be taller than me, but he is. He is tall, and he's awesome. We we talk all the time. Kevin's a, Kevin's a good buddy and and a very very good Star Wars writer. That he is. Um, what, I got a couple more for you, Mike. Feel free not to answer this one, but do, <laughs> do you? Is there a, like a holy grail of writing in Star Wars for you? Like whether it's a novel or up at Marvel, or it, is it all kind of the same thing to you? You're writing Star Wars. You're writing Star Wars. This is the holy grail. Like where where do you come on that one? All right, so I have t- well, they all kind of fall in the same wheelhouse. My my wheelhouse is the prequels. I love the prequels. Prequel Defense Force, right? That's right. You got the T-shirt. For life. <laughs> um, so one holy grail, to be honest, is the Clone Wars, and I'm not just like it's such an easy thing to say. Like, what's your favorite thing you ever written? What I'm doing right now, you know, like. But for real, the Clone Wars series is one a holy grail. It's prequels. It, I love the clones. I, I this is I, I'm just delighted and so thrilled to be doing that. It's a major bucket, uh, you know, bucket list uh, item to check off. Um, I think the ultimate holy grail would be a prequel novel. I actually have one. I have. I've. I've. Uh, I have the the pitch sitting in my. I, I'm looking at the file on my desktop right now 
I'm ready to go. Hey, Mike, you have my number. Let me know. Okay, <laughs> <the> first. <laughs> if you guys, if you could pull some strings, because I've been barking up that tree, man. <laughs> um, I'll do what I can. Day, one day, one day they'll break, or I'll just, or I'll just scrape the serial numbers off. <laughs> 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 so that's that's what I would love to do if I can write. If they ever let me write this book, this prequel novel that I have, which I think ah, it would be, it would be so great. It would be so awesome. One day, uh, maybe you know I've I've been jonesing for the for like a new era version of the Republic Commando novels. Ooh man, you know I right. If if you want to pitch that to Lucasfilm, you know I I wouldn't say no. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> that, oh, oh man, I would love it. It's it would be man that would be hard though because those books, uh, Karen uh, Travis, man she. Shit, those are some of the best tough God, facts to that, follow that, that would be tough to follow I me mean, i would do it <laughs> but uh that would be tough to follow because she did she did a remarkable job with those books those are some of my favorites i'm glad you brought those up i and i read those i was like rereading those as i was writing star with the the clone war series they are so good amen amen so fine okay finally we'll get you out of here on this one um finally what can fans expect from battle tales I think it's it should come out this week. Hopefully, it's. I know there's the uh, comic book brick and mortars are up in upheaval right now. So who knows what really is going to hit the shelves this coming Wednesday? Um, let's hope for the best. But what can fans expect with Battle Tales once they finally get their hands on it? Uh yeah. I mean, I will add to that. I it breaks my heart, but I'm very. I don't think we're going to see it this week. I'm almost certain, which is a which is a bummer, but that's okay. It will come out. Um, it's done, <laughs> so it has to come out, but, uh, um, but what to expect. So I think this touches on what we were talking about with like the apprehension that some people have for, for picking up, um, the star Wars adventures line. And what I can say is that if you enjoy the clone Wars animated series, there is absolutely no reason not to enjoy this comic series. Like my goal my number one ambition like i said this is my holy grail this is my baby this is, i brought this to lucasfilm uh to do this as a series like i have been at this thing since the genesis i'm so passionate about the clone wars and these characters and this period uh, of star wars history and my goal my ambition was to make these comics each story feel like a clone wars episode um, I was meticulous about it. I, I went and like restudied, you know, the the series. Uh, went and you know read the Travis book, not all of them again, but I read quite a bit. Um, and my just, I just wanted to feel as authentic to that Clone Wars experience as absolutely possible. And um, if you like the Clone Wars, hopefully, I did my job, um, and you get that experience uh, in the comic book five issues uh all these stories told you know things kind of unique that's told through uh through the clones we're gonna see uh you know all of our favorites you know cody uh, uh rex wolf uh Boyle, waxer a new clone um <laughs> that i can you know uh that of my creation that i made his name's heater uh there's an issue with him um obi-wan i, I thought maybe Reed. his name would be teaser <laughs> That's a good, no, he <laughs> close. <laughs> so, 
so yeah, I think that's 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 my passionate uh, uh, enthusiastic sell. Like so, whenever this comes out, and hopefully soon, hopefully Wednesday. Uh, but when it does, if you love Clone Wars, like there's no reason that you will not enjoy the series. Awesome, awesome answer. Love it. Uh, anybody else want to throw anything Michael's way before <clears throat> we call it a day here? Mike, I got a question for you, and I kind of hope you um, you have an answer for this. Mm-hmm. Is there a local brick and mortar that you want to shout out? Because um, I know all the brick and mortars need as much help as as uh, they can get right now. Yeah, I mean, um, I've been uh, a follower of Challengers Comics. Um, they've been good to me for so many years, and those guys who run it are are just. Uh, passionate, enthusiastic, loyal comic. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of shops. There's a lot of great shops in Chicago. We're spoiled, but uh, Challengers has always been been remarkably good to me. Uh, Chimeras too, out by you are, are great. Um, so yeah, help these shops out if you can. Um, you know, I know some are still doing curbside pickup and whatnot if possible. So you know, get some comics. We're all home, so you got time. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, it's it's really important to uh, to help those those shops out right now. They're they're going to go through a real tough time coming up. So I don't know back issues, trades. Uh, even if you want to buy a uh, you know a bust or a toy or a collectible of some kind, something that just helps them keep the lights on while this dastardly virus does does its thing. And hopefully it passes as quickly as possible, and we can get these these businesses, small businesses, up and running at full speed again. Yeah. It's hard enough. Yeah. Like the comics industry is hard enough. Uh, they they definitely don't need this on their on their plate right now. So, if you can, you know, maybe they have an eBay page or uh, online site that you can shop from. But definitely try and do your thing to help them out this at this time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well said. All right, uh, I've got an extra copy of Black Star Renegades, Michael's initial novel from that universe. Uh, I want to give it away to a listener. Uh, but you're going to have to answer two trivia questions based on the content of this episode. So the first person who DMs me or emails me at, at uh, tumblingsaber at gmail.com. Now, Mike, earlier in the episode, mentioned the specific clone who is off limits. I want you to DM me the name of that clone. And I also want you to think back to the character that Mike wrote for IDW in the Marvel s- side of things. So two questions. A clone, an off-limit clone, and the Marvel character that Mike wrote for IDW. DM those or email me the, the answer to those two questions, and you will get Black Star Renegades, the first novel in Mike's uh, Black Star Renegades series. And I promise you, you will love reading that novel. Uh, but that's it, um, Mike. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, man. I've got, yeah. I still have so many questions. I'm sure Marie and Rick still have questions, uh, but I, I hope that just means you'll join us again soon. Yeah, anytime. Like anytime you guys are willing to, you know, have me on, I will be uh, thrilled to do so. And thanks for thanks for chatting tonight. This is awesome. I'm really glad we did this. This is great. Now, I, I think you yeah, you've, thank you've you got so um, you, you'll also be writing about Ray and Finn and Poe in another uh, Star Wars run coming up in the later in the summer. That would probably be the uh, the natural entry point to have you back on. Yeah, that uh, now 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 that's if you're really throwing up. When are things going to happen? Oh boy, because <laughs> that was supposed to be May, but now we've got like five issues of Clone Wars that are pushed back. So, 
I don't know when that'll come out, but it will. Uh, that'll be the relaunch at Star Wars Adventures number one. Um, that'll be out. Wow. Like I said, it's supposed to be May, maybe June-ish, something. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And we'll definitely have you back on and we'll talk more of your indie projects because there's, there's some cool stuff going on there. Um, but man, yeah, man, thanks so much for joining us. You've got your official website that people can check out for all your latest at michaelpmarisi.com. Uh, but where else would you direct people if they wanted to connect with you? Uh, just you know, Twitter and Instagram. I'm, I'm at uh, Michael Maurici at both. Awesome. Worthy follows on, on both platforms. So go do that. Check out Mike. Check out his work. And uh, Mike, th- thanks again, once again for joining us. Oh, sure. No, thanks for having me. This is great. I appreciate it. Excellent. Uh, all right, everybody. So that's going to do it for this week's podcast. I um, hope you enjoyed it. Reach out to Mike. Uh, you know where to find Michelle. Where, Michelle, where can we find you on social media? Yeah, Murray. Uh, okay. Um, wow! Did I say Michelle? Michelle. Did, I, did I say Michelle? Michelle? Well, Michelle's not here this work this week. <laughs> you know what happens to me um, after ten o'clock on this podcast. <laughs> um, you can find me yeah, at Olio Morgan <laughs> at Olio Morgan on Twitter, and um, my review blog is the Star Wars Review and I've recently written reviews of the Rise of Kylo Ren comics on BeyondTheBlastWars.com. And I have to say the fourth issues review is pretty awesome. So you should check it out. Absolutely. You should check that out. Um, Rick, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on the old uh, Twitter machine at Cadbane's Bounty and uh, doing all the lurking that Corey claims to do are super awesome super closed uh super safe tumbling saver facebook group um if you have any questions you can direct them to chop rules with the z because he wants to hear from all of you (laughs) yeah any hate mail goes to chop rules with a z any that's the complaint department uh you can find me also in that that closed facebook group and also on twitter at tumbling saber and on doing a whole lot of nothing on instagram so go check me out there would love to connect with you and talk star wars and all things nerd um and that's going to do it for this week shout out to rob wade at emotionally14.com for endorsing this episode of the podcast and also be sure to check out our friends at the star wars commonwealth podcast network you can find us on facebook on apple podcasts and everywhere else uh check it out lots of podcasts doing great work in the galaxy far far away Uh, But that's going to do it for this week, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and we'll catch you again next week in a new episode. Thanks so much for listening, and may the Force be with you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Static draws me closer to your place willing me through my dreams fall away signs blindly to the lines on your face beating strong drifting Yeah.
breathing If only to see you next to me Sleeping Soundly Smiling Not really And over the strength I have, you gave, you build, and you run. Don't 